Welcome to The Workplace, a podcast by Cal Chamber. I'm Alan Zarenberg, president of the California Chamber of Commerce, and joining me today on the podcast is Lande Ajose. Lande is the governor's senior policy advisor for higher education and chair of the governor's council for post-secondary education. And Lande and I have recently worked together on the governor's council for post-secondary education And we are honored to have her on the podcast today to discuss the outcomes of that work. So first of all, welcome to the podcast, Lande. And before I get a little bit into why the governor thought this was so important, first of all, to create a senior policy advisor for higher education, which I'm not sure any other governor has ever done that, and to immediately convene a task force to improve things. Let me just, for all our business listeners, just lay the background to say why I'm honored to be have been invited to be part of that and why it's important to, uh, I think, for all the business community. And as when I give speeches throughout the state and all I have to do is draw a circle around some of our research universities and you can start in San Diego uh, with UCSD and you can move up to USC and UCLA and Caltech and Stanford and Berkeley And these are some of the best economies in the whole world. And it has a lot to do with our higher education. But, but, you know, our higher education system isn't just limited to research universities. We're going to talk about that. It includes CSU, which graduates so many of our professionals in California, and our community colleges, which serves as the the entry-level point. And so, Londi, I'm going to ask you a little bit about why it's so important to the governor, but also ask you that I know that one of the things that you've been working on and that's near and dear to the governor's heart that we've been working on is creating opportunity. And you noticed I didn't mention so much some of the, the communities that need more access to opportunity. Uh, We may not have those kind of universities there, and we want to expand that. We want to make sure that those residents of California have those opportunities. So, Londe, welcome. Now that I've given that background of why we're doing the podcast today, why it's so important, I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about why the governor and you think it's so important for higher education for California. Uh, what are you working on to develop, you know, access and opportunity and equity for uh, California residents? Alan, thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and and your listeners about, you know, the importance of higher education and where it fits into an ecosystem of opportunity that is really central to uh, to California and to the California dream. Um, you know, for, for Governor Newsom, um, You know, this is an individual who spent eight years as lieutenant governor, which meant in that context, he spent eight years on the board of uh, or the the board of trustees at the CSU and on the UC Regents. And so he is intimately aware of a lot of the issues facing higher education. And as many Californians know, he also comes uh, to to his role here as, as a business person who is also very aware of the need for talent. And I think uh, as he thought about how he wanted to craft his own administration, it was essential to him to bring together the pieces related to higher education and the cultivation and development of that talent um, with the demand for for jobs, the demand for for talent, 
and to think about how we do that in a way that expands opportunity, in a way that expands opportunity by centering equity, by thinking about the people in the state who don't traditionally have access to higher education, but who desperately need access to higher education and how we bring those pieces together. And so, uh, you know, it's very rare for me to say the higher education system needs this without him asking me, well, you know, where's the business community on that? It's also uh, not, you know, uncommon for him, to, for us to say, well, you know, the business community needs this. And he's like, well, where are the higher education systems on that? That for him, that's a, that's a very natural um, connection and a very integrated link. And that is why I know it was essential to him as uh, the, the idea for the council itself came up prior to him becoming governor. And uh, when he was thinking about what shape he wanted to give it, he said it's essential that we not just have the higher education systems there, but that we have business and labor represented. And uh, you were his first choice. So I know he's delighted that uh, <laughs> that you sit on that body because he want, he's like, Let, let's ask Zarenberg to do that, he said. <laughs> I said, okay, we can ask Mr. Zarenberg to do that. <laughs> Um, so, you know, before we get into a little bit about what it takes to be able to uh, create that access, to develop that access, to make sure that you're able to execute on your strategy, how do you develop that strategy to begin with? Because we know that, um, you know, there's, as I talked about those universities and colleges, you know, we have also private sector colleges that have a long history in California, Santa Clara and Pomona and, um, and University of San Diego, USD. There is a culture of higher education throughout California, but it hasn't extended to all of California. And I think, so the first question might be along those lines in terms of expanding opportunity. How do you build that culture where do the community colleges come into play in that? And um, as well as uh, our, you know, our uh, CSU system. Yeah, well, when we think about that culture of education, you know, um, everyone automatically goes back to Pat Brown and the master plan uh, that was developed in 1960. Um, Pat Brown has a really compelling story of wanting to pursue education himself and not having that door immediately open to him. And when he became governor, it was uh, at the top of his priority list to make sure that he was able to extend the opportunity for education to every Californian, no matter where they landed in terms of their academic background. And uh, that started to, to form what was the great compact between our public systems, um, the CSU, the UC, and the community colleges. What is essential about that compact, there's some really interesting things. People always wanna go back and redo the master plan. And I am always quick to remind folks that the master plan was um, you know, not intended to be the Bible or the Torah, that it, is a, it was a, a short-term, you know, 10, 11 year document that really um, was a contract in many ways between those systems that divvied up what each was allowed to do and not allowed to do. Um, and it was the community college system that was really designed as the open access system for anyone. Um, the entire higher education enterprise, the public side, was designed to be free. Uh, the only challenge with that is as it was designed to be free, we never thought, one, that we'd have quite as many people who would want access to higher ed. Two, we, it wasn't designed for the great diversity that it currently uh, encompasses. And three, we never thought of a permanent funding for, source for it. So I think we just magically thought it would all come out of uh, you know, the general fund. And uh, we have a, whatever, $35 billion, $36 billion higher education enterprise. 
it now has much more demand for higher ed than we when then we do supply. So we are really at a crossroads in terms of trying to ensure that we have uh, ample um, capacity for students, uh, particularly at our four-year institutions and most especially at our UC, um, which uh, you know many Californians see and understand, justifiably so, as one of the best public higher education institutions in the world. And uh, given that Californians pay taxes for that institution, they want access. And it's really disappointing to a number of Californians that they can't get access. So we have a lot of challenges that we have uh, set up in the system. And at the same time, we recognize that not every student is prepared for a UC. And so there are other things that we need to do to to bolster our higher ed system. Currently, 49.9% of California uh, high school students uh, are taking uh, A through G course requirements. Only about two-thirds of California high school students are, are sorry, I think 83% of California high school students are graduating, um, and only about two-thirds of them are going on to college. So we really do have some work to do to make sure that we are getting those students into the pipeline for higher education, because that is very much linked to how we can think about the growth of our economies across the state, both in regions, uh, as well as um, for the state's overall productivity. You're right that we do have a number of very well-renowned private institutions as well, Stanford and USC among them, in addition to University of San Diego and Santa Clara and, and many other institutions, Dominican. And we need to make sure that we provide access to those institutions. We are able to provide uh, students who attend those schools if they are means tested with Cal grants. But it is also the case that the state has no authority over the tuition prices at those places. So uh, we don't subsidize them, if you will, in the same ways that we provide public subsidies to our our public uh, institutions. So there's just there's a lot of work to be done to ensure that students are getting to the right place, that they are making it through in a reasonable amount of time um, so that that we're doing so as effectively and efficiently as we can. So as many students can get through and that they're doing so in a timely way and pursuing the right kind of coursework for the, the booming regional economies that we have so that we aren't overproducing the number of business degrees or psychology degrees and then underproducing the kinds of STEM degrees that we need. So that's a, what I see as one of the biggest problems that we have. And it's gonna take some innovation within the system to get it right. And so we're always trying to figure out how do we do that from the state perspective. Well, you mentioned a little bit about making sure that students are academically prepared for uh, for college, and and I'm sure that's where uh, you know community colleges throughout the state come into play. But I think in the task force, uh, you know, which I see you've made a priority, is they may be academically prepared, but how do you take somebody, we'll just say from the Central Valley, and put them in the in the Bay Area or Los Angeles, where the cost of living is much higher? Uh, they've never had that experience and they don't come from, you know, obviously wealthy families and they may be second generation Americans who everybody in the family wants to support as part of a, the first in college. But how do you practically go about, is that one of the challenges you look at that we need to address and solve? It is a challenge. And I, I do think it's a challenge that we need to address and solve. Unfortunately, a student's success in making it to an institution is very much dependent on the people around them to give them the right information at the right time 
to make it to the school that they're going to and to give them the right information at the right time to stay at the school that they have chosen. And that makes it very precarious for students who don't have a great history in their family of college knowledge, right? Of other people who have attended college and know how to make it through, who know the secrets. And so part of what we are thinking about, um, and this has been proposed in our uh, task force report that was just submitted to the council, is what are those kinds of systems that we can put in place to provide that college knowledge, to provide that platform, if you will, so that students don't have to have all of that knowledge at their fingertips or the right connections at the right times, but that the state and our higher education institutions can partner together to make sure there is an infrastructure that is moving students along the path and giving them the information and the resources that they need when they need it so that they aren't one spending not making it there or spending too much time in college, but that they're moving along and making good academic progress and that they're getting the resources to be in the schools that they are choosing to attend so that they're not working 40 hours a week so that they can pay uh, to be one of six people in a two bedroom apartment. Um, so we have to deal with the affordability questions. We have to deal with questions of housing and financial aid. We need to deal with questions of students knowing um, the right sequence of courses at the right time so that they're not spending too long in college and making good decisions about uh, what they choose to pursue. So there are a number of ways we have in the report that we've recently come out with um, suggested that there are much better ways to be leveraging technology to answer some of those questions, to, to help guide students through their pathway and through their journey, and to help tee up where the relationships then with advisors can be better leveraged to help students get the information only that they can get from an advisor. But let's you know, figure out how we can use technology actually, uh, given that we are the state that invents technology all the time to move students along their pathway, to keep them on the right trajectory and to, to make sure that they're making progress. So we have, you know, among our listeners today, our audience is, is are people who are looking forward to quality graduates because it's their workforce of the future. And I also know that we have done a number of seminars and um, on diversity, and that is a priority for business. Mm -hmm. How can we look at this to see what your, um, your council is looking at to be able to increase that graduation level, to increase that diversity in the workforce through the higher education system? Yeah. So I think, you know, the first thing I would, you know, point people to if they want something to read at night, put them to sleep, maybe. No, it won't put them to sleep, um, is uh, the task force report, which is called Recovery with Equity. Um, you know, we came up with the idea for that report about a year ago. I remember, actually, we were at a council meeting. We were listening to the leaders of our, our higher education systems talk about the incredible ways in which they had to pivot over the previous month to get all of those students and all of those faculty members to uh, move from face-to-face -face courses to uh, distance learning models. We were listening to how people who had internships were suddenly being booted out. What did that mean? We were listening to the UC talk about their overtaxed healthcare system. You know, it was really remarkable. And I was having a conversation with a colleague and we were talking about the life cycle of crises. And one of the things that she said is, you know, there is a point at which recovery is inevitable. And the task for us is to be thinking as a council about what lies beyond the emergency. 
What lies beyond the crisis? And is this a moment for us to really be thinking about how do we develop a really strong pathway? How do we develop a, a, you know, a roadmap for how we get from where we wanna be on the other side of the crisis from here as everyone is really in triage mode? And that's where we decided to come up with this recovery with equity task force and the subsequent report that came out. The report itself um, is divided up into um, you know, 11 recommendations. And those 11 recommendations really fall into four categories that really are focused on how do we streamline access to um, higher education? How do we ensure that those who are coming from various communities feel a sense of inclusion on their campuses? How do we ensure that we're taking advantage of systems such as um, dual enrollment to make sure that those folks who want access um, and want to have a girly sense of belonging are getting that? And then how do we deal with issues related to affordability and equity? Um, And so, you know, the report really lays out a strategy for addressing all of those across 11 recommendations. The piece on diversity that I think is really interesting, and and again, the task force began meeting just after the murder of George Floyd last summer. And so we were very mindful of some of these issues related to racial equity in particular. And, you know, we are seeing, you know, the just incredibly disturbing and and quite frustrating um, attacks now on Asians. And so this is something that is pervasive. We have to think about in our higher education system, what we are doing to ensure that students have a sense of belonging that that is not a barrier for students when they get to campus. Some of that is in having adults in the system, professors, administrators, uh, leadership, who understand your experience, who perhaps have lived your experience. Uh, Some of that is having some training for uh, professors and others around what it means to actually, you know, operate a classroom without bias. Right. Uh, And some of that really comes from having systems in place that allow students to be able to engage, to see themselves, to kind of create their own their own experience. But the truth is, the vast majority of students in California who are looking for higher education are coming from what I call next generation communities. Um, They are uh, undocumented. They are Latino. They are African-American. They are Asian. They really represent the ideals of who we think about as being the the great diversity of the state and the great strength of the state because of that. And so that really provides an opportunity, I think, for the business community as we cultivate those individuals, um, as we we provide an opportunity for them to, to learn together, to problem solve together in the classroom, to think about these issues, they are then the the ready workforce of the future who are prepared to then help drive the productivity of our regional economies in the state. So I think that there's just a really important connection. And what we wanna do is make sure that we are getting people into college and that we are getting them out of college, that we are doing that effectively and efficiently with high quality education, no matter where they choose to go and affordably so that students can stay in California so that they're not worried about will I ever be able to buy a house or have a child because it's so expensive to live here? So some of those things need to be solved outside of the higher education system. Well, that's great. And as we close here, let me preface this with a little anecdote. And and I think uh, to connect with our audience here is uh, it's maybe 15 years ago, I was touring a a defense contractor down in Sunnyvale. And I asked, well, where do you get your engineers? 
And the answer was, well, we may get one a year from MIT and one a year from Caltech. And, you know, the rest we get from San Jose State because we don't have to pay a housing differential. Mm -hmm. You know, that was 15 years ago. Things are worse today. But it's just an example of how our CSU system provides uh, those, the engineers, the accountants, the teachers. Um, UC may attract the research and certainly people applying for admission to UC is going through the roof. But how do the business community, how do you get involved and make sure your college whether it be UC, CSU, or community colleges are part of your community and your and your workforce development? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, little known to you even, I actually started my career in workforce development. Um, when I got my degree, uh, it was really focused on urban labor markets. And I, I did my dissertation looking at um, work in the Silicon Valley. Uh, during the economic boom and what it took to get people employed in that regional economy. So I, I say that because I spent a lot of time observing these workforce investment boards, which are designed to try and make that connection between people who want to find work, who want to be, in, and, and their employers. And one of the things that has consistently frustrated me is that oftentimes the, uh, you know, there's a focus on uh, bringing in employers to develop a curriculum for this group and that group. And I think those folks who are in the workforce development system forget that people who are, uh, you know, our employers are running businesses. They don't actually have the time to sit and spend a year developing a curriculum, right? Um, right, and, exactly. And so one of the challenges that we have is that we have this misalignment because, you know, people, you know, the, the business community, the nonprofits want the business community to like sit at the table for a long period of time. And, and we don't have a higher education system that can move at the speed of business. And we don't have a business community that has the ability to, to slow down to the speed of education. So there's this mismatch. They're like, you know, it's like a freeway and the higher education community is in the first lane and the business community is in the third lane. And so we'll never quite meet each other. For me, I think part of what we need to do is to think about how do we revamp our whole workforce training system um, how do we make sure that we have good alignment from the business community with what is happening inside of higher education systems? Um, we, you know, we're very interested in making sure we have good re business rep representation on those governing bodies so that the ideas of business become a part of the DNA of these institutions, which is, again, why the governor wanted you to be sitting on that council. It is essential that we have that perspective and that we're holding that perspective and that we're doing so with an idea of the reality of what is being faced by, by everyday Californians. So I think that we're continuing to look for those kinds of opportunities. I think there's some business organizations that are really doing great work across the state to make those connections between employers and uh, educational institutions. I think the Bay Area Council really stands out in that regard. Uh, and thinking about, again, you know, whether it's, you know, aeronautics and what's happening in, in that industry and how do they put together some good training programs that are meeting the needs immediately, but also allowing for people to have some opportunity to really grow uh, intellectually and in their, their, um, their academic uh, background so that they do have the degrees and credentials that they need. Because the truth is, we are a lifelong learning society now, 
And I, and while I want people to have jobs and I want them to have, you know, meaningful incomes, I also want them to have the flexibility to be able to go back to school, to be able to be retrained, to be able to be able to upskill over time. And so we have to be building that in along the way. Um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, being able to partner with more business organizations who want to do that, to, to looking forward to seeing the kinds of models um, that are out there from existing organizations and making sure that our higher education institutions, not only our community colleges, but also our CSUs and UCs are working in partnership with the idea and understanding that they need to accelerate their speed a little bit so that we start to make sure that we're, we're well aligned. Well, Londi, I, you know, I so much in the business world, appreciate what you're doing. Because I think as much as anything, our higher education system distinguishes California apart from the rest of the country, if not the rest of the world, uh, the best system in America. And, um, you know, when we have competition for high paying, good, good jobs, it's, you know, in Boston where they have a higher education system or maybe Austin where you University of Texas at Austin. But beyond that, you know, California can, has controls its own destiny and your work is crucial to our success. So thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you to the audience for joining us on The Workplace. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Cal Chambers Podcast by visiting calchamber.com. Thank you, London. Thank you, Alan. Nice to be with you today.